Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. This week's episode of Remote Controlled is brought to you by The Americans, an FX original series that stars Carrie Russell and Matthew Reese as undercover KGB spies living in America during the Cold War. The final season premieres Wednesday at 10 on FX. Welcome to Remote Controlled, Variety's TV podcast. I'm Deborah Birnbaum. Every week, we'll bring you conversations with some of the best and brightest in television, working behind and in front of the camera. On this week's episode, we're talking with the cast of Roseanne, Sarah Gilbert, John Goodman, Roseanne Barr, and Laurie Metcalf. Stay tuned. I am Deborah Birnbaum, and it's my pleasure to welcome Sarah Gilbert. Hi, Deborah. Thanks Thank- for having me. Sure. Thanks for doing this. Of course. So, congratulations on Roseanne. Thank you. What made you decide the time is right now to revisit that world? Um. Well, first and foremost, I realized that people were willing to do it. I always thought Roseanne wouldn't revisit it, or John wouldn't revisit it, and. I had been thinking about a way to bring it back or bring some of the people back. And then John came on my talk show and said he would do it in a heartbeat. And that sort of changed my perspective on it. I thought, oh, maybe people will do this. And I think, I think Roseanne knowing John was in and I was in and um, knowing that, you know, I was hoping to keep the integrity of the original show. I think that sold her. How did you go about approaching that integrity? What were the messages that you wanted to say this time out? Well, it was a very collaborative effort between the writers, Bruce Helford, the head writer, Tom Warner, Roseanne, myself, other actors where they thought their characters might be. But I think we all wanted to make sure... You know, in the original series, we got to address really important issues through the family relationships and through the comedy. It was never hitting people over the head with a message or trying to convince anybody of anything. So I think we wanted to do that. We wanted to tackle the issues of today through the family dynamic and through the humor and the heart of the show. That's really what made the show special the first time out. I mean, that's really what made it resonate so much. And I think you've, you know, you've come back in a new place and are taking on some different issues this time out. Talk about some of those issues you wanted to talk about this time. Well, I thought we had a real advantage to talk about aging in America because if you tried to put a show on with people in their 60s, it's a harder sell. People have to attached to those characters and identify with them. And we had a built-in audience where you already, hopefully, or some people already love this whole family. So they're attached to the fact that 
Roseanne and Dan are grandparents now and that they're struggling to have proper health care, that they're struggling to pay for their medicine or, you know, anything they might need. So I just felt we could reach people in a way that other shows couldn't. As an executive producer, how involved were you? Were you in the writer's room every day? I was in the writer's room every day for a while until things got crazy with production. And I was also um, doing my talk show and I was recurring on this show, Living Biblically. So my schedule was a little crazy. I would imagine. (laughs) Definitely the first, you know, first several weeks I was there a lot. And it was such a welcoming environment. You know, like I said, I'd gone to each of the cast and asked them where they thought their character was and kind of given my thoughts on where I thought the family was. And Bruce Helford just did such a beautiful job of including everyone's vision, I think. And just very collaborative. He, He was thrilled when or at least he pretended he was thrilled when I was in the room. And when Roseanne was in the writer's room, he just has a great way of working as a team. So what were some of the things you wanted to see for Darlene? Where is she when we come back? Um, I don't want to spoil too much, but I just, you know, I think life is hard. And I think everybody will say that if they're being real about it. And I wanted Darlene to reflect that. I just wanted to show what real life is like and not a glossy comedy. How did it feel for you to step back into that character? It was interesting stepping back in. I felt, um, I mean, Johnny Galecki heard me read the first episode and he said that I slipped right back into the character. And in a way I do, I know exactly where she lives in my body. Like I don't have to think about it and I can say a line like, Darlene and it just feels like me but I've changed a lot over the years and so I think Darlene is probably a little softer and a little more sensitive I think it just comes through my pores now and so I think that becomes part of her and the writing is so precise I mean that you know that voice is right back like it's exactly what you Darlene what you think Darlene will be yeah yeah it's it I it is. I mean, that's how I felt when I read the first script. I was really nervous to read the first episode when I got the draft. And I read it and I was texting with Lori and I just said, it's really amazing. These characters are alive. Like as soon as I saw it, I thought, oh my God, there's Dan. Oh my God, there's Roseanne. There's Darlene. There's Becky. It just was, it was just perfect. They were still there. It's almost like they've been living their lives, you know, just away from the TV set and we're just getting a window now back into them. And it's like we're just picking up as if everything, well, almost everything was where we left it. Yeah, that's how it feels. It feels like they've just been living off camera and now they're back on camera and all the chemistry is there. And, you know, there's pieces that are different, but there's certain pieces that are the same, like Becky and I just still fighting as if we're teenagers, things like that make me laugh because that's how life is. There's certain dynamics that you have for 30, 40 years and you're like, oh, we still can't get this dynamic right. Yeah, it's never going to change. It's never going to change. Those sisters are never going to get along. Yeah, and same with Roseanne and Jackie, their dynamics and their dynamics with their mother. 
So I love that, that we got to capture the fact that certain relationships are just going to drive you crazy for life. Mm -hmm. Was the chemistry instantaneous when you all got back on set? Did everyone immediately click back into place? Yeah, everybody clicked into place. I mean, I think, I think at the first table read, probably everybody clicked into place, but we probably felt a little weird because there were so many eyes on us and like cameras there. And so... Yes, and also there was this other element that we never had before. But it was nice when we started rehearsing and then could just be with each other without all that going on. Did it settle down? So you did nine episodes, right? We did nine, yeah. So did it settle down over the course of the nine episodes? Yeah, even after the first episode. I mean, we probably, I'm sure all publicists involved would have been happier if we did more press. <laughs> but I think we were trying to keep the set this sacred space where we could rehearse and not feel watched. How did it feel for you to be an executive producer this time out? Um, I, well, I like producing just because I'm so controlling. So <laughs> it lets me have a say, you know, it's hard when you're doing a project and you're, you don't like the direction something's going and you don't have much of a voice. Mm -hmm. So I liked being able to shape what it was particularly because it's so important to me and I think so important to so many people that I felt a responsibility to hopefully help make it be great. Were there things that you wanted to do? I mean, I know we talked about some of the issues you wanted to bring up, but, you know, using, you know, putting that executive producer hat on, were there ways that you influenced the production? Um, well, I really wanted the house to feel a lot like it did before. I felt like there would be little changes in artwork and things like that, but that this is a working class family. And, you know, I think sometimes people can get to Hollywood and do working class through the lens of people with money that are privileged. And when I go into people's houses, even who have some money that are older, it's almost like nothing changes. Mm -hmm. So I like that idea that it's like, oh yeah, it's this house again. And that little things would change, but that it would feel the same. How did you strike the balance of paying homage to the original version? And we you know a lot, there's tons of inside jokes that fans will get, yeah. but also making it broad enough that you could, pro you know, I mean, look, the numbers were huge the first time out, but make sure that people that may not have seen the first version, we're going to tune in for this one. I don't, think it's so calculated. I think you just try to make a great show that touches on human emotion and then people will watch. I mean, that's the goal. Mm -hmm. I just think I want when I'm approaching something and I just said this the other day, but if I'm approaching something as an actor or a producer, I want people to watch the screen and feel like, Oh, that's me. Or that's my brother. Or, that's my father. And then I don't think you need to think about what seems old, what seems new. It's just what's honest. You got it up on its feet in front of a studio audience, which is a, you know was definitely the norm back then, isn't so popular right now. But it feels like it almost feels like a fabric of the show, having that audience laughter yeah. as part of it. What did it feel like for you to be performing in front of an audience? I love performing in front of an audience. I mean, that the talk shows in front of an audience and the other shows doing this year is in front of an audience. So for me, it gives me a boost when they're there. The first episode, I was really terrified 
because the stakes felt so high. Like normally I can be nervous the first scene when I'm in front of an audience and then kind of relax into it. But that one I really struggled with because I just felt like oh, there's going to be a lot of eyes on this and the pressure is really high and I don't want to mess it up. And, you know, so that was that was really the only struggle. But after that, I mostly really enjoyed it. How did the audience react? They were so excited. You know, I mean, I think we kind of couldn't lose. So you, it's hard to tell what, which material is good because they're just so enthusiastic. It kind of helps, too, when you're watching it. I mean, there's a lot, again, like, to go back to the point of inside jokes, there's a lot of sort of references, you know, with the two Beckys. Mm-hmm. Um, there's, you know, the audience really warmed up to all of that. Yeah, they did. I think that we had some diehard fans, so they really caught a lot of things. But there's not so many that if you don't know, I don't think it would really make a difference. You could watch it either way. How many episodes did you see? I've seen two. Okay. The first two. The first two. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, how did you, you know, address the challenge of Dan's, I want to say health, Dan being alive? Yeah. Well, I mean, luckily I think in the final season of Roseanne, the creative license was sort of that Roseanne had written a lot of it. So I think that gave us some flexibility, but I I really don't think people care. They just want all the characters back. And Mm -hmm. I don't think anyone gets too caught up in the details. And how did you approach bringing back, reuniting the two Beckys? Um, The Becky, Lisi, who was the original Becky, plays Becky, and she's um, decides she's going to be a surrogate. And then Sarah Chalk plays the kind of fancy surrogate mom. And, you know, there's humanity to the story because Becky's, you know, got this sort of like desperation to make a better life and that's why she chooses to do it and she's kind of old to be doing it and so there's there's comedy and tragedy in it which is what I really love about that story I think that kind of flows through all of it I mean at least you know the two episodes that I've seen yeah. it is it's almost our most emotional dramatic season yet I know Bruce and I both like the show best when it's like that so I think and and I know Roseanne wanted to do a lot of heavy issues. So I think it does lean that way. How big of a voice was Roseanne? How involved was she? Roseanne's very involved. You know, it's got her name on it and it's ultimately her voice is in ways the most important, you know, so, and she always wants to push the envelope and talk about things and talk about the current world. And so she's a big part of it. You definitely tackled the current world in the first episode. I mean, we find out, you know, how everyone voted in the election. Yeah. Um, will you, you know, talk about, you know, why you wanted to approach that? Well, I feel like it's such a big part of our world right now. And the divide in this country is the probably the hardest, one of the hardest things we're all dealing with. And... I felt like we could do it again through the lens of the family. You know, people have really in the press have really taken it and run with it and talked about it as if we're sitting and dissecting politics. And we're really not. It's really about a family disagreeing over who to vote for or feeling like they should have voted one way or they voted another way. And it's, it's more about that than the politics. We're not really talking about anybody's agenda as a politician. I think it is, you know, probably 
the discussions that a lot of families have had over the holidays or a lot of families are dealing with right now. I mean, you know, I think we're seeing that in the country. That's right. We see people not talking to each other, you know, and so that's what we wanted to talk about. And then, you know, in the second episode, you get into, you know, some interesting issues with Darlene's son. Mm-hmm. Um, do you want to, I mean, I don't want to give too many, too much away, but to, you know, talk about some of the issues you wanted to bring up this season. Well, I, you know, I know a lot of kids that are boys that dress in more feminine clothing. And I know a lot of girls that dress in more traditionally what's considered boys clothing. And I just felt like I wanted my kid to be like that. And I thought that was an interesting thing to talk about and how society deals with it. And it's certainly a very big part of the culture right now that people are thinking about talking about. Are those kinds of issues, and I don't even want to say issues, things, you know, things that we're talking about, are we going to see more of those in the, in the rest of the season? Yeah, there are things throughout the season that we do, you know, without trying to make it too issue heavy. So again, like just things that the characters are going through, but there are definitely other topics we address. I think it, you know, makes sense because I think we're seeing it all through the lens of the family and how those relationships interplay. They may not come out the way that you expect. I mean, you know, I think We've we've seen that say for example Roseanne has a pretty sharp tongue as a mother but she's actually a really loving grandmother it's easy to it's interesting to see her play that side of herself yeah as the character it is it is interesting and I think sometimes Darlene is softer than you think she's going to be as a mom and um, yeah I mean it's the roles have changed a little bit times have changed but you'll definitely still get the sharp tongue from both Roseanne and Darlene how do you think TV has changed in the years since Roseanne's been on the air. Well, there's so many more options now. People go to cable and things that were taboo then are not taboo now. And, you know, a lot of like high drama and it's just, it's just a completely different landscape. It was so traditional then, like these are the sitcoms we have and these are the dramas we have. And that was that. So it's really opened up. I mean, it's a great time for television. Do you think it's going to be harder for the show to break out? What do you think it's going to take for the show to find an audience? Or do you think people are just going to come because they know the name? I think people are going to come because they know it and are anticipating it. And it seems like people are enjoying reboots. But I think people will stay because I think it's a good quality show. What is it about reboots that you think, you know, is it just the familiarity that people are looking for that sort of comfortable thing in a, in a land of 500 shows? Yeah, I think it's nostalgic for people. It reminds them of their past. And I think you also, there's a natural curiosity. Where are these people? What do they look like now? How do they relate to each other now? And then something really magical um, that I found was if I did a scene with Lisi, who plays Becky, and we had an argument that there's 30 years of backstory behind it. Or if I did a scene with Roseanne, there's all this history. And it's not like when you normally play a character and you sit down and you put together a notebook of what you think their family's like or how they've lived or some stories. It's like you could never write this many stories and have it live in your body. Mm -hmm. So I love that, that we got to play a scene and have all this true history behind it, you know, and I think hopefully that translates to the viewer. Oh, definitely. And also I think, you know, 
the idea of sort of a work, you know, and I think you brought this up earlier, the idea of a working class family. We're not, see, you know, there's the middle, but that, that's something we haven't seen a lot of on TV. Yeah, it's true. It's an underrepresented group for sure. And it's so much of the country. And so to see this family, you know, that we kind of all knew and grew up with kind of dealing with the issues of today, there, there's, a, there's a place for that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And it was very, you know, like you asked what was important to me, I guess, as a producer, was it important to me that they were still struggling. Mm-hmm. And we did a lot of research and it kind of showed that people who were in their income bracket then were actually often making less now, not even factoring inflation, just mm-hmm. making less now, which was unbelievable. Wow. Are there other things you learned from your research that are going to play out in the course of the show? Um, yeah, well, we were laughing because we did, um, some focus groups and stuff to figure out things we might not know. And I know that one of the producers asked about, you know, so it's important to you to feed your kids healthy or organic or whatever. And the, all the moms in that group were like, no. (laughs) So I think that's, you know, sometimes there's just a divide in this country of what you can afford. Mm -hmm. And if people are just struggling to put food on the table, that's not what they're thinking about or talking about. I know you don't want to give away too much about where Darlene is, but do you think that she's a good mother? Do you think she loves her kids? I think she loves her kids. I think she's, you know, as good of a mother as any of us probably are. It's like you do your best and you try things and some things are wrong and some things are right. And I think she's a realistic mother. What do you think she learned from her own mother? Well, I think in the course of this series, she's learning boundaries from her mom, like learning how to be probably a more structured mom. Mm-hmm. How has your own life changes, you know, influenced Darlene? Like where, you know, where do, where do, where does you, where do you end and Darlene begins? Are there things that you've experienced that you're bringing to Darlene? Yeah, I think, you know, Darlene probably has had some loss and things not go her way. And I think I try to bring that, like when I've had that happen in my life and bring that to her. Um, I think she's smart, you know, and I like, so in whatever ways I feel like I, there are areas where I feel like, okay, I've got this. I try to bring that, um, I think Darlene has always been more direct than I am and less afraid to speak her mind. And I've always admired that in her. So in the opposite direction, are there things that you've taken from Darlene now? The fact that she's so direct, are you, do you feel like that's infiltrating your own life? Not really. (laughs) (laughs) Fair enough. Um, What about Johnny Galecki? I think we, we, I think it's confirmed that he's coming back. Yeah. Yeah, he does an episode, and it's amazing. We had such uh, an incredible time. It is amazing that you were able to get all of these people back together again. What do you think it is about the show that brought everyone back? I think for so many of us, we just feel like it's hard to say that we've ever made anything that good or had that good of a time. You know, it just was kind of this magic-in-a-bottle kind of experience. And, I mean, no one really hesitated I would, Roseanne kind of reminded me that she, you know, I think she considered it for a second because there was drama around the first run and, you know, she was like, okay, what are we getting into and what's it going to be like? But 
really, it was pretty fast, a couple of conversations with her and then everybody else was like, the texts were just right away, yes, I'm in, I'm in, when. And how did you balance it with you know everything that you've got going on in your plate? Um, I just made like sort of a priority of what I knew I had to be at. So like if I was taping something else, I had to be there and then right back to Roseanne and just kind of tried to schedule it so that it made the most sense. And what were the conversations like with ABC? What, you know, what were those notes conversations with them? Were they on board from the beginning? Yeah, ABC was amazing and so few notes and their notes usually just aligned with our notes that we had internally and um, very supportive, not afraid of tackling issues. I was really surprised. Just because you expect more network pushback on certain things, you know, it's hard to have a lot of cooks in the kitchen, right? So you expect just more involvement in a, in a negative way. And it was such a positive experience with them. Was it always going to be intended for ABC? Was there ever thought of taking it anywhere else? Yeah, there was discussion about where to take it and um, some discussion of Netflix. And, you know, but the show started on ABC. That's our home. And so I think that made the most sense. And we, because it's a working class show and we want it to be for every woman and every man. And, you know, we wanted to make sure it was something that everybody has in their living room, a channel that everybody has. Is there something that you want people, viewers, to take away from the show? That's a good question. Um, There's so many things, but I would say, um, you know, where it starts off with the politics, I like this idea that you can be completely different politically and still love each other. You know, a lot of people are just horrified by that right now, like how can you be around that person or how can you whatever if you have these different beliefs and I think people have stopped listening to each other they've just looked at like okay I'm black you're white and it's like the complete extremes we must feel the extreme and you start talking to people that you think are different than you are and there's nuances to what they believe they're not just all the way over in one camp or all the way in another and I just think no one's hearing each other anymore so I would hope that somehow, even if we just get a few people to start talking to each other, that we can affect some sort of change like that. That would be amazing. Yeah. And should the show go ahead for a second season, do you have ideas for things you wanted to do? Um, I know Roseanne does. She's like really excited about some things she wants to tackle. I haven't, I've started thinking about it only like in the littlest bit, you know, like what, like maybe Darlene and David. I just was starting to think about that, but not yet. I think I'm still sort of living in this season. It will be interesting because this one, we had a lot of fuel, you know, we haven't seen anybody and where are they and what are they doing and those stories. And so now it would be, it'd be a little different. It's like, okay, now we're just picking up from last season. Just Mm -hmm. have a different feeling. Perfect. Well, looking forward to it, and congratulations. It's been a pleasure speaking with you. Thank you. Great speaking with you. So that was what Sarah had to say about why she wanted a Connor family reunion. Up next, we'll hear from Roseanne Barr, John Goodman, and Laurie Metcalf. This week's episode of Remote Controlled is brought to you by The Americans, an FX original series that stars Carrie Russell and Matthew Reese as undercover KGB spies living in America during the Cold War. The final season premieres Wednesday at 10 on FX. 
It's my pleasure to welcome the cast of Roseanne. We've got John Goodman, Roseanne, and Laurie Metcalf. It's the Chesterfield Hour. <laughs> <laughs> so Please you- patronize many of our fine sponsors. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. Um, so how do you guys feel about the reunion? How does it feel to be working together again? It's exciting. Yeah. It's exciting, and, and uh, it's good to be back together again. But uh, very grateful to be there. Yeah, it's fun. Yeah, it's like no time has passed. Right. It's like season 10. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. minus the two decades in between. <laughs> yeah, like no time had gone by. Right. And you guys all look exactly the same. <laughs> I think so. I, I think we held up pretty well. <laughs> you absolutely we did. did. What made you decide to come back? Well, it seemed to be the perfect time. And uh, when the idea came about, I think everybody was called and immediately jumped in and said, yes. It went quick. It went down quick. It went down within three weeks uh, between the initial idea and uh, by the time we had to deal with ABC. It was really fast. What was it that appealed to you? Was there, was there a message that you wanted to send or something you wanted to put out there that made it right, the right time to do this now? For uh, me, there was no message. It was just getting back together. Yeah. That was the big thing. It's like, oh, my God, we could all be together again. It so was, it's the, the laughter that we share on, on the set is incredible, and it's just such a good time. And you look forward to going to work every day, and you can't yeah. say that about every job. Yeah, that's I really can't. true. That's true. <laughs> I had always hoped for, like, a single reunion show at some point, but to get an order of nine and be able to have it contain an arc for the family right. mm-hmm. was perfect. Yeah, how much input did you have in the storyline? Were, were there things that you wanted to see for the season? Uh-huh. Yeah. I, I was uh, writing from June to, I think we started in September. So, you know, I uh, I have a great group of writers, and uh, some were uh, on the original show. So, you know, it was just a really fun couple of months to come up with ideas. We were really laughing a lot in the writer's room, too. But, yeah, the the ideas of the show are ones I had in my head. I always wanted to do a 10th season, but that didn't work out at the time. But we're, we're looking at this as the 10th season where we wrap up a lot of the stuff that we did in the previous season. So, And given that John's sitting here, Dan's alive and well. That's what I hear. <laughs> <laughs> Zombie Dan. Oh, I want brains. Give me brains. <laughs> How did you approach writing? Yeah, so there's a lot of popular zombie shows on Yes, there are. I hear, so they, I hear they do really well. Yeah, why not? Let's go nuts. Yeah. Roseanne the Walking Dead. Yeah, yeah. we thought of that, too. <laughs> so how did you approach bringing your character back? I didn't have to worry about it. <laughs> I don't write. That was a problem for somebody else to solve. <laughs> and how did the writers, so Roseanne, for you, how did the writers deal with it? Uh, you know, we have a great... Uh, writer's room so you know i mean i had the basic ideas of how i wanted it to go and uh you know then we jammed it is fun i've seen the first episode and you guys definitely play a Uh, wink and a nod to everything like including the two beckys it must have given you a lot you know was that fun for you guys it was a blast yeah yeah Yeah, it's 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 uh, you know the the fans of the show are so so devoted and uh, so there's little winks and nods throughout the the arc. To share with them. Yes. Yeah, we wanted to make sure that all their questions were answered in the first show. And, you know, over 20 years of people asking me, 
Now there'll be uh, internet nitpicking. Yeah. (laughs) They'll be looking for the chicken shirt. Yep. And that's how the show opens. Yeah. I I shouldn't say that, actually. (laughs) But, you know, the other thing that's great is that it's so timely right now. I mean, especially with, you know, where we find the the relationship between all of you guys, given the politics of the moment. Talk about how you wove the politics into the show. Well, we just wanted to be reflective of uh, what's going on in the country. And, um, you know, it seems like everybody's family were... Uh, kind of divided on the election, and so we just wanted to reflect that. And then you've got all the topics woven in with, you know, either ageism or divorce or death is touched on and... Gender fluidity. Yes. Opioid problem. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Prescription drugs. Mm -hmm. Yes. We got it all. And more. I'm in favor of them. (laughs) (laughs) I'm just about to watch that show this week, that one, the uh, first edit of the Mm. opioid show. Mm. And, you know, it's kind of creepy because I hate watching myself, but especially that show, which both of you guys helped me a lot with. But uh, anyway, they were all fun. How do you think TV has changed since the last time you were on air? Uh, I think the most thing that's changed is that uh, you things have to happen faster mm-hmm. um, you got to get to the joke faster you get you know people's uh, attention span is shorter so it's just got to keep moving and um, back in the day we had uh, you know a little bit more time to get to the joke but you know you got to keep it moving that that's mostly what I see. It's like wow, things on TV they really go fast now. Are there things that you can do now that you couldn't do then? Um, probably. Yeah, but we have a choice to kind of remain the same. Mm-hmm. It seems to me. Mm-hmm. Just not, you know, not go too crazy. Although you know, we did that pot show. That's almost everybody's favorite show, but. Um, I think the stuff about, you know, our generational story and, uh, you know, the opioid stuff and and how people are, you know, uh, handling things is um, a little bit more, that's kind of edgy now. But I, I like the way we did it. And how have each of your characters changed? Where do we find them when they come back? Laura, do you want to start? Well, Jackie um, claims to have a job on the show. I have not seen evidence of it. So I don't know if it's a big lie or not. But she claims to be very good at what she does, Lanford's best. Um, I don't want to give it away because it's, it's just the title, just her self-title is, is, is funny enough. But, um, so, but I get the feeling that she's still bouncing around you know, in and out of jobs and relationships. Or, so that's not changed a bit. <laughs> I think for my character is that she's a grandma now, and as am I. And um, so all, all the difference that comes with, you know, aging, aging and getting older and smarter and a little bit more opinionated and particular in things. But Roseanne was always a bossy character, and she's a little bit bossier now. <laughs> yes. And uh, the thing that I liked that was fun for me is that I, I really wanted Roseanne to be um, t- to have more uh, 
God, I can't think of the word, to be more wrong. Mm. You know, um, I wanted to do that. Because, you know, at the time it was, uh, at the time we did the first show, it was like, you know, talking about uh, the family and kind of a a mother who's um, kind of bossy. And uh, so now, what's the word, James? What's the word? Not vulnerable, but I, I don't know. She's challenged more? Well, you know what I like is watching uh, Darlene's character parent her kids in that same kitchen, in right. that same house, and you're observing. Yeah. And seeing patterns, and it, it, it's that, that I find those scenes really cool. In pretty much the same way that she escaped from. Yeah. Right. That she's repeating. Yeah. Right. There is a lot of that. To like, watch the kids turn into their parents. Mm-hmm. Right. Uh, but I know that for me with my kids that have their kids, you know, you're just like, you're, you're seeing what you did wrong and what you wish you hadn't done or done in a different way. And now, you know, uh, of course, Roseanne doesn't let anybody tell her anything. So she just charges in there and corrects everybody all the time but that, that's kind of how it Maybe is to be a that grandma now you kind of cop to it more you kind of own it more that that's that's what you generally do i mean in this new in this revival yeah that's true yeah uh-huh you're you admit it right whereas right. whereas in the uh, earlier you would never have that's true that's a good that's very astute yeah. Well, I'm just thinking, I'm just, <laughs> sure. you know, replaying some of the scenes back in my mm-hmm. head that, that we just shot. Yeah. yeah, that's true. I like that. And John, what about Dan? Dan has learned to listen more. By listening, I mean letting things go in one ear, not the other. <laughs> 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 Nodding very sagely and then heading out to the garage and drinking. <laughs> <laughs> so he's aged well. <laughs> Absolutely. No, I think it comes with with age. You you come to learn how to basically survive and adapt and just keep moving and enjoy things more. Was there something in particular that was a challenge for you when it came to coming back and reuniting? Mm. Um, I don't think so. It seems like it clicked pretty immediately. It clicked. It yeah. was like putting on fast. a pair of shoes or a bathrobe that you'd worn for, you know, years and years and just felt comfortable and cozy and um, it just felt right. Like putting on an old script. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, because the script, it, it is so familiar. And, you know, like I say, we had we have uh, some of our original writers and um, it just, it was... Uh, I think we kept the integrity of of the characters and the family really well. From first rehearsal, first first table read, we just clicked into what we used to do very well. Uh, The rhythms came back immediately, and it it was just like we lost a week or something. What do you think is going to surprise fans the most about this? I'm still alive. I'm not sure how to answer that. Maybe they'll be surprised that maybe they'll be wondering if we're we were 
if the show was going going to try and push the boundaries or you know because we were back that 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 we need that we needed to do something different and decided to just relax into what we used to have instead just keep it what everybody nostalgically remembers it as yeah just like walking in on old friends you haven't seen for a while yeah definitely and I know the first season is nine episodes but would you be willing to come back in success to do oh, more yeah. oh absolutely yes we hope that people like it so that we can come back we this is the I think it's all of our favorite job we've ever yeah. had so when we just treasure our time together really 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 and I, I just, like I said before, to be able to watch these two and their acting choices, I hate saying that, but the things they choose <laughs> to do with their character, it's just always so fresh and um, hilarious. It's still like, it's, you know, there, there's nothing boring or staid. It's all like just as great as ever, maybe even better than ever. Well, I can't think of a more perfect note to end on. Thank you guys so much. Thank you. And congratulations. Thank you, Thank you very much. Thanks for listening to this week's show. We'll be back next time with another great episode. We'll be talking to the cast and creators of Unreal, as well as Barry, HBO's new hit comedy. See you next time. This week's episode of Remote Controlled is brought to you by The Americans, an FX original series that stars Kerry Russell and Matthew Reese as undercover KGB spies living in America during the Cold War. The final season premieres Wednesday at 10 on FX. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on ChumbaCasino.com. I looked over at the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's ChumbaCasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. BGW. Void. we prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.